0: Amen. How are you guys doing? Great. Great. I am so excited to be with you guys tonight. Who was at Keystone this last Sunday with baptisms? Yes. Guys, we had nine students get baptized at Keystone this last Sunday. Give it up. That was weak. Come on. So Salt Company, we are a a college ministry or a ministry of Keystone Church. And so if you don't have a church home or you don't go anywhere, man, come check out Keystone Church. The stories that I heard this last weekend were just incredible. They were so moving. I was just sitting back and listening to their stories and and hearing how Jesus had changed each one of their lives. And it, it just brought me to tears. And so man, come celebrate with us. God is doing an awesome thing at Keystone Church. And so come join the rest of the Salt Company students that, that go to Keystone. We are continuing our Meeting Jesus series, and we're going through the book of Luke, answering the question, who is Jesus? We want to learn about this historical character, this person who claimed to be God, Jesus, and see what the Bible has to say about him. And so tonight, we're just going to jump right in, okay? So Luke chapter 10, Verse 38, you guys can open there. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. You guys ready? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Are you guys ready? All right, now we have half the room. I'll wait another five seconds. Are you guys ready? All right, there we go. All right, verse 38. Lots of people like dogs, okay. I have an adorable Labrador retriever named Rudy. That is Rudy. Rudy is awesome. Rudy's like the best dog ever. He loves to swim. He loves to play fetch, tug of war. He loves to eat. I can show you guys a video. Whenever we say, are you hungry? Do you wanna eat? He literally does circles. He just jumps in circles. Rudy is the best. He's super obedient. But one thing I just realized the other day is Rudy, it it can be hard to take Rudy outside and find his squat spot. You guys know what I'm talking about? (laughs) The spot that Rudy wants to relieve himself, okay? Sometimes this can be really hard to find. And it's because there's so many distractions. And so we go outside with one goal in mind, we have to find the squat spot but it takes Rudy forever. So, sometimes it goes just like this, okay? We go outside. You guys didn't expect this, did you? And Rudy will just be sniffing, sniffing. Fetch? Did you say fetch? No, okay. And he just keeps sniffing, sniffing. And then all of a sudden, Something smells intriguing. And so he gets closer. Wait, I know this smell. That, that's Margie. What is she doing over here? She lives across the hallway. Margie is the golden retriever that lives across the hall from us, okay? She's, what was Margie doing over here? Okay, so he just keeps sniffing, sniffing, sniffing. At this point, he's forgotten what he's sniffing for, right? Bird. okay. Focus, focus, focus. So Rudy just keeps sniffing, keep sniffing, keep sniffing. Man, I'm getting really hungry. I wonder what this grass tastes like. Oh, what are you all looking at? Give me some privacy, please. I'm looking for my squat spot. And Rudy just keeps going, keeps going. He keeps going. And aha, finally, Rudy finds the squat spot. That's as far as this illustration will go. OK. Thank you, thank you. Sometimes this squat spot, Rudy will find it in seconds. Like seconds, he runs out there, he knows where he's gonna go. Other times, I'll be following this dog for five minutes because he's so distracted by all the smells, the sights, everything. And I wonder how often many of us are just like Rudy. Not in how we look for our squat spot, at least I hope not. But the problem was he kept getting distracted from the one thing that was necessary. The one goal that he had, Rudy was, is always completely distracted. Think about this, like maybe the last time that you went to Target, you had one thing that you were going to get. But then you walked in and you saw this brush that looks really nice. And you remember how your brush is really old and it's got lots of hair in it. And most of the hair, you don't even know whose it is. And this brush is on sale, so it's just like, it has to be, right? So you just stop by the brushes, but then you see the makeup. And then, oh my gosh, Target's fall clothing this year is so nice. It's so cute, isn't it? Amen? Amen. Amen. And sooner or later, 45 minutes have passed and you have forgotten the one thing that you went to Target to get, the one thing that was necessary. And in 2021, I think we are more distracted than we have ever been. There are so many things that are constantly fighting for our attention, social media, video games, sports, homework, work. School, friends, football, fantasy football. I mean, the list could go on and on and on of the things that distract us from what we're supposed to do. And Salt Company, I'm afraid that because we are so distracted that we've forgotten to just sit with Jesus. Our distractions have kept us from truly knowing who Jesus is. I hope you guys know that I'm actually just as guilty of this. I think it can be easy to come in and just hear that we are, we are preaching to you. We are telling you guys things that you all struggle with. But let me tell you what, this last week as I was going through this passage, listening to sermons, reading more and more about this, like I was just broken over how many things have actually distracted me from just sitting with Jesus. I can read my Bible and just get more excited about what I'm gonna check on my phone after I read it. Or I, I can even go to pray and then just think about all the things that I have to do for that day, and it's just pointless. We're often tempted to view lots of things in life as necessary, but our passage seems to suggest that there's only one thing that is truly necessary. I feel like we were actually reading something earlier weren't we? Yeah, we got distracted by talking about Rudy. It's that easy, huh? Okay, so open up back to Luke 10. Tonight, we're going to look at three characters. We're going to look at their interactions with one another in hopes to find the one thing that is necessary. Their responses will be our three points, okay? So response number one, so point number one is Martha's response. Number two is Mary's response. And number three is Jesus' response. So first, let's take a look at Martha's response. Look at verse 38 in chapter 10. It says, while they were traveling, again, Jesus and the disciples, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was... What? Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. What do we see here? Martha was ambitious and hardworking. The fact that Martha had a home that she could invite Jesus and the disciples into was totally countercultural. She was a woman, and in this day and age, it was not very likely that a woman would actually own her own home. So she was a hard worker. She was ambitious, not to mention she was extremely hospitable. Martha looks, and she sees Jesus and the disciples coming in the distance, and she she thinks, these people must be tired. They must be exhausted. Instead of just letting them walk by, she welcomes them, says, come, come to my home. I, I, want to, I want to serve you guys. I want to, to care for you. I want to give you guys a place of rest. You look exhausted. I want to provide a place for you guys to clean yourselves off. We'll feed you. Come. So Martha is ambitious. She's hospitable. Martha had great intentions. Martha started by doing the right thing. And Martha was also sitting at the Lord's feet, he says. Martha had great intentions, but she was distracted. She started doing the right thing, but she was distracted. She was also sitting at the Lord's feet, but she was distracted. This word distracted in the Greek means to pull away. So it means she was was doing these things, but she was being pulled away by something. And that's what distractions do to us, right? Right? They, they pull us away, whether it's mentally or physically, whatever distraction it is, it, it pulls us, it separates us from whatever we were wanting to do or whatever we were doing, and it distracts us. We see these distractions as more urgent or more necessary than whatever we're doing, and so we gladly allow them to interrupt whatever we're doing. What's interest, interesting to me about this is not even bad things, that were distracting Martha. Look back at her complaint in verse 40. It says, But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. She came up to the Lord, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. The things that pulled Martha away were were good things. These were things that she was expected to do. If you invited somebody into your home, it was the expectation that you served them that you cared for them. So these were things that were Martha's responsibility. Like this is what she was supposed to do. She had to do these things according to culture. She wasn't being pulled away for sinful things. She's not in the other room like watching pornography or doing drugs, like the classic, what you, what you think of as a distraction. No, she's going the extra mile to serve the man who was claiming to be the Messiah. So at this point, it seems justified that she would say something to Jesus. Jesus, Mary is doing nothing for you. I have done everything while she just sits there and watches me. She's being lazy, and I am working hard. That's what Martha's saying. Guys, I don't think that Martha was distracted by tasks. I think she was distracted by a desire to earn approval from Jesus. These distractions, weren't a way for Mar- These distractions were a way for Martha to gain the attention of Jesus, to gain the approval of Jesus so that he could see all the things that, he, that she was doing for him. She wasn't distracted by the, just the trivial tasks. She wanted Jesus to notice her, to approve of what she was doing for him. How many of us do the same thing? We do things for Jesus to gain approval from Jesus. I know I do sometimes. When you read your Bible or go to church or confess sin, it's a way to gain approval from God. You struggle to believe that God knows you. He sees you and he loves you. And so you work tirelessly over and over and over again so that you can make him proud. Martha's search for approval led her to become bitter. She shifts her eyes from Jesus to Mary, right? You can just imagine as she invites Jesus and the disciples in. She, she goes out to the road. She sees them. She says, hey, hey, come to my place. Come to my house. We will, we will take care of you. We will serve you. And so she, her house probably isn't like completely set and ready for guests, because she sees them walking on the road. So she goes into her house. She's running around, trying to clear things out of the living room, trying to run and maybe get a fire started. I don't know. She's trying really hard. And at first, Mary is just like talking with Jesus. And so Martha's like, okay, yeah, she'll, she'll say her hellos, but then she'll start coming to help me, right? Like surely she'll see this mess and she'll, she'll step up and help. And so Mary still hasn't done anything. After Martha is beginning to serve all of these people, all of these guests, Mary has still not seen the need to help, right? And I think many of us can relate in this way. You have maybe a a sibling or a roommate who just, whenever there's chores that need to be done, they seem to be completely oblivious. Like maybe if you don't know somebody, you are that person, but... Whenever the dishes need to be done, or there's clothes all over the floor, somehow they're just like zoned into the TV show, or they're playing video games, or they're on their phone, whatever it is, like, and it's annoying, right? Like, it's, it's frustrating. You're like, okay, they just don't see the mess. They'll eventually, like, wake up and come to reality and start helping, right? But they don't. They never do. I think this is literally what's happening with Martha and Mary. She starts to serve them and bring out food to Jesus and the disciples, and Mary's probably just like eating the food that Martha's bringing out. And each time she's like, oh, that's so annoying. Are you serious? And so Martha's Martha's thinking like, Yeah, it would be nice if I could sit at the feet of Jesus, but all of these things have to be done, Mary, so you could probably help me a little bit, right? And so I just, I'm literally imagining this every time Martha comes out, like, more and more frustration and anger is building. Like, Jesus is talking in the living room, and I can imagine Martha can probably hear Jesus, but after about five minutes of serving and Mary not helping— She hears nothing of Jesus. She doesn't hear any of Jesus' words. And so she goes to the back, and every time she goes to the back, like, are you kidding me? Can you believe this? She's still sitting there. And she's just frustrated, and, you know, she's, like, cooking the food in the back, like, I can't believe. She still doesn't recognize that I'm doing all this by myself. So then she comes out, probably walking by Mary, like, bumping her, oh, sorry, I'm so sorry, like trying to keep a smile on her face when inside she's boiling up, you know? And then every time she walks by, you know, she's setting things onto the table and she's like, here you go, guys, thank you, and just like walks to the back, extra loud, or she walks by and like drops the fork. She's like, oh, sorry, Mary, maybe you could pick it up and take it back there and start helping. Oh, sorry, but Mary doesn't. You can just feel the frustration building. At this point, she's now kind of annoyed at Jesus, right? Because Jesus would have known the expectation was that Mary would help her. But Jesus hasn't said anything. He just keeps talking to Mary. And so finally, this frustration just builds and builds and builds. And you guys can feel this anger and frustration inside. She hits the boiling point. She's had enough. She storms into the room. She says, Jesus, Lord, don't you care? My sister has left me to serve alone. So can you tell her to give me a hand, please? have you noticed that I'm the only one serving you right now? In Martha's attempt to gain the attention of and approval of Jesus, she gets distracted by doing things for Jesus rather than just being with Jesus. Instead of sitting still, being quiet, and listening at the feet of Jesus... She was standing, questioning, and commanding him. What does this look like in our lives? Like, how do we respond in this way? Jesus, I'm trying to follow you. Why don't I have a boyfriend or girlfriend? I'm doing everything I'm supposed to. Why does that person have a boyfriend or girlfriend? I should be the one with a boyfriend. Jesus, I go to church every Sunday. Don't you see that my life is hard right now? It should be better than this. I'm at church every Sunday. Jesus, I said I believe in you. Don't you see that I'm hurting? I'm struggling. Where are you? Jesus, I've done all I can to follow you. Why did my family member have to die? Jesus, do you... Do you really love me? Do you see me? Martha was distracted by good things. These good things became ultimate things, meaning they took the place of Jesus and led her to question his goodness. Many of you guys probably have midterms this week or they're next week. And so you have a lot of studying to do. You've done a lot of studying this week, you have a lot of studying to do next week. It's pretty stressful. And that's a good thing. Not the stress, but the studying. Many of you might be working extra hours at work just to make ends meet. You're in college. You're broke. You're working hard. You're in 12 credits, but you're working two jobs. These are good things. You might legitimately have things to do around the house or bills that need to be paid. And those are good things, but they're not ultimate things. They're good things, but they're not ultimate things. When we make temporary things ultimate things, we become frustrated and bitter. We take our eyes off Jesus, and we begin to blame him him for our frustrations. Just like Martha's distractions led her to bitterness and frustration with Jesus' actions, our distractions keep us from truly knowing Jesus and his heart. When we are distracted, we begin to see or treat everything as necessary rather than finding the one thing in life that is actually necessary. So what is that one thing? Now that we've seen Martha's response to Jesus coming, let's, let's take a look at Mary's. So point number two is Mary's response. Her response is found in verse 39. She, meaning Martha, had a sister named Mary. Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. That's it. That's all we're given. She sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he said. Mary was content with sitting still, being quiet, and listening to what Jesus had to say. I think we have a hard time of doing this sometimes. I know I definitely do. A couple weekends ago, I went to... Uh, My wife and I were going to a campsite to, to see her family, her side of the family. And there's something that you need to know about her family and my family and the differences. I am the oldest sibling in my family. Therefore, I have my youngest brother is 12 years old. So there's lots of immaturity, lots of games, lots of fun, lots of loudness at my family's house. Okay, Sierra is the youngest sibling. So her siblings are older, a little bit more mature a little bit more civil, we'll say, okay? So whenever we're at my family's house, it's just, it's always loud, it's crazy. We're, we're playing a bunch of games. There's never any resting. But when we went to Sierra's side, we, it was at a campsite and we had chairs sitting out. It was a beautiful day. We're just enjoying the nature and we're just sitting and talking or not talking, just in the peace and quiet. And this is great for me but only for so long. You know what I'm saying? Like I was sitting there for a while and then I started getting antsy because it was quiet, I wasn't moving, I had lots of energy, I had to get out. So I start looking around for something that I can do and I see that we, we brought a football. Well, I didn't wanna bother anyone and disrupt the peace that was there and so I, doing what most natural people would do, grab the football and I throw it to myself. Not like tossing it in the air and catching it. Like, I threw it across the yard to myself and sprinted after the football. Like, as ridiculous as that sounds, I was losing my mind over sitting still and being quiet. And so I had to do something, anything, even though throwing a football to yourself is ludicrous and dumb. I threw it across the yard and like sprinted after it. It only took three times before I was completely exhausted. But Nonetheless, I couldn't sit still. I couldn't be quiet for any longer. I think this is, this is a lot of us in this room. It's really hard for us to sit still. We don't like the silence. It's hard for us to be quiet. But when Mary was in the presence of Jesus, she sat still, she was quiet, and she listened. There was plenty of things I could have talked to Sierra's family about. There's plenty of things I could have waited and they could have asked me about if I was just patient to sit still. And so Salt Company, we have to be willing to sit still, be quiet, and listen to Jesus. And you might be wondering, why? Who would want to do that? You don't understand, Jonah. I'm, I'm busy. I work two jobs. I'm in 12 credits of schooling. Trying to maintain some sort of social life so I don't just go completely insane. I have to do all of these things. I don't have time to sit still. I'm already running low on sleep, so any time that I have to sit still, I'm sleeping. I can't do this. And to that, Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are upset and worried about many things, but one thing is necessary. Come, be still, be quiet, and listen to my words of life. Jesus might be telling you the same thing tonight. And so we're going to get practical here. And so if you're taking notes, we are going to go through three things. What it looks like to be still, be quiet, and listen. And this is, this is going to help you understand what, it, what does it mean to have a quiet time with Jesus? Maybe you've heard that. Um, what does it mean to have alone time with Jesus? Like These three things are going to hopefully be helpful for you. So first, the first thing is how do we sit still? Sitting still, to me, looks like physically removing yourself from distractions and noise that hinder your ability to listen to Jesus. Mary physically removed herself from all the things that would have, had, would have distracted her. She didn't go back to the kitchen. She didn't go to the other room where things needed to be done. She physically removed herself to sit at the feet of Jesus. For you, this could be going on a walk in nature while leaving your phone at home. I love doing this. I love walking outside and just being in the fresh air and listening to the birds and the wind and just talking to Jesus, listening to Jesus. Or maybe it's just leaving your phone in the other room. Or maybe you've got a super talkative roommate, and so you need to shut the door. Maybe you are the talkative roommate. You need to shut the door. You'll distract everybody else. When you go to sit still with Jesus, you're going to be tempted to dwell on and even go do everything that needs to be done. It's just a given. It happens every time. So when you go to sit still with Jesus, bring a notebook with you. So you can, every single time something comes to your mind about, oh my gosh, I have to do this, write it down. There's something powerful about just writing whatever comes to your brain down and just checking on it afterwards. I don't know exactly what it looks like for you to physically remove yourself from distractions, but each of you should spend time this week thinking about what are those distractions in your life? And what, what, would it, what does it look like to physically remove yourself so you can sit still with Jesus? Next, what does it look like to be quiet? This one sounds the most controversial, but I need you to listen because it's, it's really not. When I say that Mary was quiet when she was with Jesus, does it mean that she just didn't talk? I don't think that would be the, the correct understanding of what's happening here. When I say Mary was quiet, I think it means that she cared more about Jesus' agenda than her agenda. Mary was ready to have a personal encounter with Jesus, whereas Martha came ready with her own personal agenda for Jesus. I'll say that again. Mary was ready to have a personal encounter with Jesus, but Martha was ready with her own personal agenda for Jesus. So we can be quiet by not coming to Jesus with our own agenda. This requires us to humbly sit at the feet of Jesus as we allow him to teach us. We come to him with an open hand, with an open heart, saying, Jesus, what do you have to teach me? Instead of coming to Jesus and saying, hey, I have got a list of all these things that I need you to do. I've got a list of all these things I need you to accomplish for me. We can actually come to Jesus and say, Jesus, what do you want to teach me? What do you want me to do? What is your agenda, not mine? So when we go to spend time talking with Jesus, praying, we have to come with an open heart. I can easily come with a list of things that are on my agenda, trying to tell Jesus what he needs to do. But we should listen to what he wants us to do. Okay, so we've, we've removed distractions We've physically removed ourselves from distractions. We're ready to hear what he has for us. Now what? We just listen. The third one is we listen. What does it look like to listen to Jesus in this day and age? Mary had it easy. Jesus was in the flesh, right in front of her, talking, speaking to her. Of course she could listen to Jesus. Jesus isn't here today. So how do we listen? The Bible is actually the written word of God. So when you guys read the Bible, you hear God's voice. Amen? Amen? So you might be thinking, Jonah, I'm just not really a good reader. I don't like to read. Great, listen to the Bible. Jonah, I, I can't spend one more minute sitting at the desk that I do homework. Like, I will lose my mind. Great, go on a walk and listen to the Bible. Yeah, well, the Bible's just really confusing. Like whenever I read it, it doesn't, doesn't really make sense. Nothing, I, don't, I, I can't relate to any of the characters. It's all kind of outdated. I don't really understand it. I want you to know you are seconds and just a few clicks away from thousands of resources that will help you understand God's word in today's context. We have more resources than anyone in history on how to understand God's word, how to, to listen to God's word. If you're a visual learner, there's videos that draw pictures as they explain what the Bible is saying. We have more resources than ever to understand the Bible. And not to mention, there's tons of students, probably a student sitting right next to you, that would love to to walk through reading the Bible with you and explain to you what it means. Tons of students in here. Probably someone literally right next to you. And if not, if you ask one person or two people, you could probably find someone easily. We have to learn to listen. So what will it be for you? How will you sit still? How will you be quiet? How will you listen to Jesus? What do you need to do to sit still? How can you physically remove yourself from distractions? How can you be quiet and learn to come to Jesus ready to hear his voice, ready for his agenda, not yours? And what steps will you take to listen to God's word this week? As we wrap up, we're going to look at Jesus' response. So point number three is Jesus' response. Start in verse 40. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, And she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has led me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken away from her. Last week, Joe talked about how Jesus is holy, and he demands that we we fall flat on the ground, face to the ground, to worship him and honor him as God. So when Mary, excuse me, when Martha comes into the room, interrupting Jesus as the teacher, he had every right as a man in that culture and as the son of God to rebuke her, to condemn her, to tell her to stop talking. He had every right to do that, but he doesn't. He says, Martha, Martha, saying her name twice meant that it was an endearing term. Jesus took his God status, came down to her status, and understood her brokenness, understood her hurt, understood that she was distracted. He says, come to me, sit at my feet, rest. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's what Jesus says in Matthew. Jesus says, I see you, Martha. Martha. I know you, Martha, and I love you, Martha. You don't have to do all these things for me. I want you to just be with me. Jesus doesn't want us to do things for him. He wants us to be with him. I can't emphasize that enough. Jesus doesn't want us to do things for him. He wants us to be with him. This same Jesus, who is holy, who is the Son of God, who does deserve our worship, is also kind. He doesn't condemn Martha. He doesn't rebuke her, but he is kind. He saw how distracted she was, and he tells her that only one thing is necessary, and it's him. The invitation to sit at Jesus' feet was offered to Mary and Martha. But Martha was distracted. The expectation to be hospitable and to serve all the guests that came into the house was shared by Mary and Martha. But Mary chose to sit still, be quiet, and listen. There's a couple of things that we don't even point out about Jesus in this passage that are interesting. We've talked a lot about Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. Well, in that culture... The spot at the feet of the teacher was reserved only for the students. Was reserved for the the male students because there were no female students. It was just the male students. So this spot that's at the feet of Jesus was not reserved for Mary. It's actually wrong of her to sit at the feet of Jesus in this culture. But Jesus says nothing. He does not rebuke her. He welcomes her. What Luke is showing us, what Luke wants us to see is that Jesus welcomes all people, to come sit at his feet. Any reader in this day would have understood, wow, Mary is not expected or allowed to sit at Jesus' feet, but he welcomes her. And he praises her for sitting at his feet. And then in verse 39, where it says that Mary listened to what he said, it simply means that he listened, she listened to his word or message. It's the message that he was proclaiming about himself. Jesus had been going from city to city, town to town, healing people of sicknesses and diseases and sharing one message, the message of himself, the gospel, the good news. This book is about the gospel, the good news. That's the message that Mary was listening to. Not only did they break cultural norms to allow Mary to sit at Jesus' feet Proving that Jesus welcomes all people to sit at his feet. But he's demonstrating that all people are welcome to accept this message. This message is for all people. The gospel is the good news for everyone. That's what this passage is showing us. So maybe you're here and, and maybe you didn't know that the invitation has actually been given to you. Maybe you feel like the invitation to come to church or the invitation to read the Bible or the invitation to God or Jesus is reserved for somebody that's good or somebody that does the right things. Martha was doing the right things. She was doing them with the wrong motives and the wrong heart. Jesus praises Mary for just being with him. So maybe you didn't know this invitation was for all people. Luke would want you to know the invitation to sit at Jesus' feet is for everyone. Maybe you're here and you've recognized that you've just gotten distracted lately. Maybe you're distracted by a desire to earn approval from God. Maybe you're distracted by good things like school and work and paying the bills. But these aren't ultimate things. Maybe it's just silly things like getting distracted by your phone or social media or pressing snooze three times every morning. That's me. I'm guilty. Whatever it is, Luke wants us to see that one thing is necessary. And it's Jesus. So we answer this question, who is Jesus? Jesus is holy and kind, like Joe talked about last week. We see that in this passage. But we also see that Jesus is necessary. So to respond to that, we need to sit still, be quiet, and listen to him. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm sorry for... The ways that I have allowed distractions to keep me from sitting at your feet. I was so convicted and broken this last week as I had just thought of all the ways that I have made excuses, of all the ways that I have maybe tried to do things for you instead of just sitting with you. I thank you for the example of. Mary, God, faithful to to remove herself of distractions, to recognize that you are the one thing that is necessary in life. God, so she sat at your feet. I pray for these students as this week, they've probably got crazy schedules. They've got midterms, tests, life things that are happening that are really hard. I pray that in the midst of all of this, God, despite all of these distractions, they would actually be able to sit back and see that you are the one thing that is necessary. I pray that you would give them the strength to remove themselves from distraction, remove distractions from their lives so that they can come and sit at your feet, Jesus. It's your name I pray. Amen.